0: Oh, yeah, we are live. Mm-hmm. I'm Chris with the Krillcast. And I'm Will. And we have a cool guest below us right here, Mr. Jesse from where?
1: Yes, uh, my YouTube channel is Game Over Jesse. And uh, the podcast that we have, which is all about Zelda, kind of like uh, today's podcast here at the Triocast, is called the Hylian Gamescast. And it's uh, a lot of. Okay, sorry. I'm just. I apologize at that. for that, everyone. There was uh, audio that was coming back and playing for me, and it was throwing me off. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hearing my own voice and everything. Let but, me
0: just let me just stop you real quick, though. It's yes. Krillcast, like the little shrill thing. Krill, okay. Yeah, everybody does that. I always have mm-hmm. to jump in when I realize somebody hasn't pronounced it on stream yet. <laughs> there you go. Sorry
1: about that, but yeah, everything it. is just focused on Zelda and other Nintendo. Uh, video game series and we like to bring on a lot of uh, guests that have done various things in the industry whether they're voice actors composers developers or just other friends which reminds me we should have you guys on sometime
0: we'd be more than welcome i'm more than welcome more than happy to come on with a warm welcome to your podcast that would be, uh, be a lot of fun awesome and uh i will can say I, this can i
2: ask the first question though but like after you're done with this intro sorry
0: yeah. Yeah. You can ask. I just wanted yeah, to say yeah. real quick, I've tuned into quite a few of your streams in the last uh, few weeks and they've been, they've been really good, really entertaining and uh, definitely enjoy it. So if you guys haven't already done so, go over to youtube.com slash game over Jesse and uh, hit that subscribe button. Give it a shot. Try it out. And I'll let Will jump in with his question. As I remember to actually click the share button on Twitter here.
2: <laughs> All right. So first question.
1: Why was the anniversary such a wet fart? And what would you rather have seen from Nintendo? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so I I actually put a lot of thought into this and made a, a video a couple of weeks ago, which if you look at it in terms of the way they did the Mario Direct to where it was most of the stuff they announced for that year came all at the same time. And then maybe there was like one or two things that was left out or came a few months mm-hmm. later or a few months before. But with Zelda, there was not one giant direct and they never officially really used the term Zelda anniversary director or anything like that. But compared to most years, we ended up getting a lot of just bizarre Zelda stuff that you wouldn't really expect. Like, uh, just recently there was the promotional crossover they had with a company called, uh, black milk, which is like a high end, uh, women's clothing manufacturer, I guess. And yeah, it was just like really expensive dresses and stuff that were all themed for Zelda. Uh, We had Skyward Sword HD. They had the Joy-Cons, the Amiibo. We had uh, the new details or trailer on Breath of the Wild. We have the Age of Calamity DLC that's been coming out and uh, the same type of Zelda Game & Watch that Mario got for its anniversary. Mm-hmm. Which
0: I will say was pretty neat. I liked that.
1: Yeah. Uh, we have two of the games coming, or two of the 64 game. well, I guess all of the 64 games, unless you count Master Quest, coming to the new Nintendo... Uh, it's got such a crazy long name, the Nintendo Switch Online eShop Expansion Pass or whatever... Giant mm-hmm. title they're giving it. Um, what else is there? There was the uh, there's like a, a the giant statue that everyone always mentions at Nintendo's World Store. That's supposed to be their giant anniversary statue. They released actual figures of it that were limited edition that you could buy, mm-hmm. which were titled Zelda Anniversary. Uh, you yeah, looked figures. at it, Chris. I
2: don't know what that is.
0: I'm gonna pull it up right now.
1: And then they also had, uh, when you, around the time Skyward Sword came out, there was like the promotional thing with GameStop to where they gave away uh, the Skyward Sword poster for pre-ordering, but then sort of unrelated to Skyward Sword, I can't take it off my wall, but it was the just a standard The Legend of Zelda poster with all of the games on it and it was an anniversary poster they were giving away. Uh, Some places said that it was $30 that you had to spend on Zelda products, and other places said it was $35 you had to spend on Zelda products before you got one, and it was just a weird coincidence that it was the 35th anniversary, and you had to spend at least $30 or $35 to get (laughs) an anniversary poster. So it seems like instead of having like one big direct, they just slowly spread it out across the entire year, and because of that, you don't quite realize all of the stuff that they have released
0: yeah i mean that's better. It had better i will give this it had better fanfare than the mario 35 i will say i think the mario 35 kind of dropped it seemed like randomly all of a sudden out of nowhere and it had like maybe a week's worth of time to prepare for it versus zelda is like almost like a i would almost call it like the year of zelda Despite the fact that I was expecting Wind Waker HD and Twilight Princess. Well, I
2: series. wanted the tri- like a trilogy pack, like what they did with like um with Mario. But I wanted a three D one and a two D one, like that's what I wanted. So when I only when they only released Skyward Sword HD, like um, the rest of the year is tainted for me. Because they're like, yeah, okay. You get the Joy Cons, okay. You get an amiibo, they were gonna make that anyway. So just <laughs> I don't know. I, I still feel a little burned and I feel a little upset that And then, you you know, the two Nintendo games, sorry, 64 games are coming to the expansion pass, but it's, I was, you know, lamenting this to Chris, it's the old versions. It's not the updated versions. So you're not
0: getting the 3DS updates to those games. Um, I guess that's a good question to bring up. I guess we do it now since we're kind of already discussing it. How do you feel about um, the remakes versus the port remasters versus what they're doing with this online service? it kind of gives you multiple versions existing in the same era of the, of the same game. Like you've got Majora's mask now exists in two different versions within the last two generations of consoles. Um, Cause you had it on the Wii U and the 3ds at the same time with one being the 64 version and then one being the updated 3ds version. And now we again get the N64 version again for Majora's Mask coming in the second wave of the N64 online service. Like, how do we keep track of all these versions of Zelda? And then, like, how does somebody get who's getting into the franchise like really understand what they're getting into when they have multiple versions of the same game out at the same time?
1: Well, uh, what I think about is uh, sort of what Will mentioned with the Super Mario. 3D World All-Star, or 3D All-Stars collection, Mm -hmm. where they had Super Mario 64 as part of that, which you could only get for this limited time as part of that package. But then now they're just releasing essentially the same thing for free for the people who do purchase it. Um, The only difference is, instead of playing with the full screen, it has that weird bar at the bottom that lets you know that you're playing Switch Online, which... If there is a way to remove it, I have no idea what it is.
0: Somebody told me you can. Uh, I was in the middle of doing a NES Metroid Let's Play on YouTube last Monday, and somebody's was like, hey, you can remove that. I was like, how? Please <laughs> please enlighten me. I hate it's this.
1: Someone much smarter than I needs to, to come and just <laughs> give me baby steps through this. Uh, but with uh, in, in terms of all the remakes and remasters and stuff, a, a lot of people kind of look at it as oh, it sucks. Um, but the newest game, for example, is like, oh, it kind of sucks that Nintendo had just remade Link's Awakening, and now they're coming out with Skyward Sword HD while they should be working on Breath of the Wild 2, where they don't realize that it's not any of Nintendo's teams that are really doing anything with any of those games. Like Skyward Sword was Tantalus and Link's Awakening was a team called Grezzo that made the, all of the 3D Zelda games. And I look at, in that situation, I look at it as, don't look at it as taking time away from games that they could be working on because they're still working on those games. They even have Monolith Soft, Monolith Soft behind the Xenoblade games helping out. Mm-hmm. So not only are they fully focused on it, but they're hiring other giant development teams to help them on it as well. So those remakes and ports and remasters aren't necessarily like you're getting this instead of getting this other game sooner. It's like you're getting the other game when it would originally come out. But in the meantime, you're also getting these bonuses. And when it comes to the Switch Online, there's been a lot of people talking about uh, do we still think there is a chance for games like Ocarina of Time HD or Majora's Mask HD coming to Switch at any point since they just released the 64 version. Mm -hmm. And I don't think either is really connected. Like, a lot of people are looking at it as Nintendo specifically chose to release Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask for the Switch Online, which, yeah, they did, but it's not like they just picked those games because they were selling games. They were picked because they just happened to be the most popular. Whereas with the remakes and stuff, that would take time that they would have to go in and like develop them and have them optimized for the Switch to where when you're just porting over these online games, you're essentially just running it off an emulator and dragging and dropping them over, aside from the ones that are getting online support. Yeah, so, it,
0: it is interesting when you look at it, because Nintendo is basically handing the keys to these older franchises that want to get remade. Like, for example, with um, some of the other series they've built, uh, I believe they've handed um, uh, for Metroid. They did, um, that was that, what's that company called? It's like Mercury Steam. They yes. handed that company the ability to do Metroid, <laughs> and that doesn't take away from Metroid Prime 4, which everybody was concerned about when they saw Metroid Dread come out. Same situation. Like, everybody's like, oh, wait, wait, wait. If they're working on Metroid Dread, then who's working mm-hmm. on Metroid Prime 4? And nobody realizes, oh, mm-hmm. Retro is still working on Metroid Prime Four. Same thing with Nintendo handing the keys over to other developers to do these Zelda remakes and Zelda remasters and whatnot. It's not the main team that's working on Breath of the Wild 2. It's they hand it out to capable developers to do this work for them, under their guidance, obviously, but
1: yeah, ex- exactly. I just want Nintendo
0: to do what I want them to do once in a while (laughs) instead of
2: doing what Nintendo wants to do.
1: (laughs) So that kind of reminds me of uh, a few years. It was the year that the 3DS Metroid Prime Federation Force game was announced. And Reggie was doing an interview where he was asked about the next Metroid Prime or an HD collection coming to Wii U or something. And he had the weirdest statement (laughs) to where he was like, we understand this isn't the Metroid game that fans have been wanting, but we do know of the game that fans are wanting, which is like a really vague thing. It's like, yeah, we're working on it, but I can't tell you that I am because we signed an NDA or something like that. So they always find these weird ways of stepping around it, but yeah.
0: I kind of want the Metroid Fusion remake that Mercury's team pitched originally now because i can't imagine seeing that game in the same style as the metroid dread game they built that'd be pretty neat but you know mm-hmm. obviously that's a side story for another podcast um i guess the question i would have for you now is since we've talked about kind of like the ports and people getting into the series brand new how did you get into zelda in the first place
1: so it's not just one of the first gaming memories that i have but just the first memories in general was my older brother. He's about three and a half years older than me. And whenever our parents would be waking him up to get him ready to go to school and everything, the other parent would be sitting with me and sitting with me while the other one was getting the stuff ready for school, essentially just became let's play Super Nintendo until it's time to go back to sleep or something like that. And A Link to the Past was one of the games that we would always play through. And then when it clicked that it was a franchise and not necessarily a single game for a single console, it kind of pushed me even further into gaming. And then with Ocarina of Time, when it finally released, it was a game that I would come home every day from school and just play. And even though mm-hmm. in my head, I knew I discovered just about everything. I was still hoping that there would be more and more stuff to find, which,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. And with uh, things like the master quest and the era, the era Zelda that Hard for games oh, has yeah. covered significant. I know you guys have talked about it as well. Um, clearly there was more there that just wasn't actually in the final cart as far as what you could play. Um, and then I will say this, I I have a similar memory, though, because my my sisters are 14 years older than I am, so significant difference. They had a Super Nintendo, and they they had Link to the Past, and that was actually my first memory of gaming ever was playing Link to the Past with my sisters. Nice. So I can honestly say I have a similar experience.
2: My My first exposure to Link was in Super Smash Bros. for the 64. I was like, I want to play as this elf. He can change (laughs) his outfits. This is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Got a cool sword. (laughs) Yeah, that, that was my experience. And then I realized that many years later that he actually
1: had his own game. <laughs> there was a, a lot of people that were introduced to the Fire Emblem series that way. yeah, Because it exactly. had a huge boost in popularity for that.
0: I'm actually one of the few that had Fire Emblem before they had Smash Bros. Nice. My brother I and I were just know, chatting about that yesterday. The odd
1: people that were introduced to Link or Zelda for the first time through uh, the Soul Calibur 2 on GameCube. Like, if that was your first... Zelda oh, okay. experience.
0: I forgot about that.
1: <laughs> like kind of similar to the Smash Bros. experience, but in a completely different way.
0: Mm-hmm. I imagine like kids in the future like playing Skyrim and getting introduced to Link that way <laughs> on the Switch, because that is definitely a possibility. Yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting. Like just the amount of times that you could be introduced to Zelda throughout your lifetime is like an infinite number of possibilities, just because the franchise is so large, and. I guess that brings me to another question. I know there is like the canonical historic historical high high rule historia, as far as the timeline goes and whatnot. Um, But if you were to try to get somebody to start playing, does the timeline matter? I mean, I don't think so personally in regards to where somebody starts, uh, but does it matter in your opinion?
1: I, I think the timeline it's, there's a lot of people that think it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) There's a lot of people that thinks it makes perfect sense. And I personally think if you've played through most of the games, then it does make a lot of sense to you when you're able to find those connections and put them together. But Mm -hmm. then again, you can put them together in other ways as well. But it makes sense to me, but I don't necessarily think people have to play it by that order. I think uh, the most popular answer would be, it used to be start with like Ocarina of Time or... Twilight Princess, because Twilight Mm. Princess was the realistic one for the time, and Ocarina of Time was the popular one. The rest were kind of based off of. So if you like it, then you're probably going to like all the others. Whereas if you like Wind Waker, then you might just like it because of the sailing. But with uh, (laughs) uh, Breath of the Wild, now it's out. And it's like uh, Will mentioned it was his Zelda game that he got reintroduced to the series, or introduced to the series with. And I, I was mentioning that it's kind of an odd one because the only one that's really has features that are sort of similar would be Skyward Sword with its uh, introducing the stamina meter and no. all of the the typical RPG collection stuff. Cause usually Zelda games only have like one or two items, like the gold skulltulas and Ocarina of time that you can collect where Breath of the Wild and Skyward Sword just has tons and tons, but even Skyward Sword itself is also completely different than a bunch of the other Zelda games. So it's a good game to start with because it'll probably be the player's favorite game if they end up being able to go through and do everything that it has available to do. Mm Mm-hmm. But it is very different from the other Zelda games. Whereas if you go awesome. from it to Ocarina of Time, you may not be able to see the connections that were there. But if you go from Ocarina of Time or Twilight Princess to Breath of the Wild, then you can see the connections.
0: I feel like starting at Breath of the Wild gives you such a different experience than starting with any other Zelda game. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for example, like... I know Will going backwards is like, man, this is not open world at all. <laughs> you
2: know, I went to Wind Waker next as my next 3D one. So it was a real shift, but there was some similarities. And I don't know, Wind Waker, like, I just laughed, like, the entire time. Because, like, when he crawls, he makes a little squeaking sound. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh.
0: <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, there's I,
1: also, uh... Oops, I, spent,
0: I spent about a decade playing Wind Waker. Um, it's funny. I, I had gotten so frustrated with Tingle's Quest in the Wind <laughs> Waker that I actually put the game down, and it wasn't until I moved into my house that I realized I had never finished Wind Waker officially. And so I plugged it into my GameCube, and within like the first three four months of living in the house I still live in now uh, with my wife, I actually finished the game. <laughs> so it's like there was a decade gap between when I had started it and when I had finished it.
1: <laughs> kind of crazy. Uh, I think the longest gap that I had was with the uh, Jabu Jabu's belly, and then the water temple in Ocarina of Time. There was like six months to where I wasn't able to beat it after a week. So I just kind of gave up on it, but eventually ended up coming back. And, uh, but you mentioned the wind waker Mm -hmm. and it being funny and stuff. I was going to say that there's a, a part in the game where everyone has the, the joke that link doesn't ever speak. And he's always the silent hero and stuff. But in that game, there's a part where he has to meow to kind of trick the girl that he's trying to take a picture of or whatever the little side quest is Mm -hmm. and then I feel Nintendo just kind of played a giant joke on everyone with all of the Tingle brothers because when Majora's Mask released everyone was like who's this weird Tingle character why is he in the game why does he want to be like Link why is he so weird and then (laughs) Nintendo was like oh you don't like him well here's his entire family of like 50 brothers (laughs) that are all like him except different colored close mm-hmm. i think
0: i still think uh, captain toad treasure tracker should have been tingle treasure tracker personally but you know
1: oh that that would have been great
0: mm-hmm. i know tony had pointed out when we did we had the podcast with him that it was originally intended to be a zelda game and then it became the toad treasure tracker instead
1: i think i, I remember an interview talking about that there was also a, a canceled tingle game um, that was the source of too many inside jokes on my podcast where uh, the team that made all of the like Tingles, Rosie, land, and all of those, I forgot the name of it, Um, but the last Tingle game they were making was for the 3DS, where all of their previous ones were for the DS, and it was supposed to be a Tingle horror game, so we were Mm -hmm. just trying to (laughs) come up with the most ludicrous ideas of what a Tingle horror game could possibly be, because you think of it. And it's like, isn't a normal tingle game kind of a tingle horror game? Mm-hmm. So uh, the idea that I put out is, if you guys remember the, the demo on PlayStation for PT. Yep, yep.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So like instead of the witch chasing you around and <laughs> the ghost witch chasing you around and haunting you, it's just tingle running after you, like two feet off the ground. Yes, yes.
0: Oh man. <laughs> like, that would uh, be great.
1: Is just a haunted house, but it's haunted by tingle? <laughs>
0: Yeah, the, the Tingle names are always hilarious, like Freshly Picked, Tingle's, Rosy, Rupee Land, and then Tingle's, Balloon Fight, and then I'm not sure what this one actually translates to, but it's Irozuki, Tingle, No Koi, No Balloon Trips. That might be the same game or, like, the second game to the Balloon Fight? I'm not sure. Um And then you said there was a canceled one. This is probably it, right?
1: Uh, The Tingle Pack?
0: Oh, no, that, yeah. that is... No, that's not canceled. I don't know where the t- canceled one is. Mm-mm. Did they uh, change the Tingle quest in the HD version? Yeah, they did. It was yeah, more I was gonna, streamlined. I was gonna say that wasn't stressful at all. So. Oh, it, it was—it was really stressful. Not stressful, but uh, tedious in the GameCube version. is What I will say, and it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't tedious in the new one. I had to go and like hunt down this a couple places where you could get extra rupees in the game because I didn't have enough when I started the Tingle quest. So like I was I was already starting off on the wrong foot because mm-hmm. it costs so much money to get through that. that that quest. It's like this is ridiculous, Nintendo. Can you pad any harder?
1: Yeah, there was a Wind Waker has a really weird uh, development. This may be a bit off topic, but it does have to do with the the Tingle Quest or the Triforce Quest stuff. Right, the, the Triforce, games, yeah. To where. Like there's always that quote that people attribute to Miyamoto, where he says like a, a rushed game, something about a rushed game, and then like yeah. a delayed game could, can be be good or something like that. But the reason Wind Waker ended up the way it was was because basically its entire time through development, it was being rushed, and Nintendo even had more complete dungeons and islands, villages and everything that would have fit perfectly in the game, but they felt it kind of took time away from beginning the game and completing it, that it might be too long and drawn out for people. So Mm -hmm. they just completely destroyed the island, which ended up becoming Great Fish Isle or something like that. Now it's just destroyed stuff. (laughs) <laughs> uh, just like little pieces of an island and you, and you find the the deity or whoever it is, the, the fish dude and he gives you the pearl but he's like on a completely different island because his island was blown up and they said they did that for pacing reasons but at the same time they have this giant quest that everyone agreed took time away from the pacing of the game and They chose to take out the actual dungeons and villages that were already complete and instead left (laughs) in the long and tedious quest that they ended up realizing did take up a lot of time. And so when they remade it, they just took it out. And it it was just like the oddest hindsight in the world, I guess. Yeah, And then they said... Yeah, and they said with Wind Waker HD, they couldn't put those old dungeons back in the game because they had already been used for other games. So
0: it mm. makes sense. You already did all the work on the dungeon. You might as well yep. use it somewhere, especially since the Zelda engines can't be that too dissimilar that you would not be able to reuse it, especially in the GameCube era, GameCube Wii era.
1: Yeah, actually, I think is a really weird fact that if you you can connect all the dots if you read through various interviews, but like the Majora's mask was the same engine as Ocarina of time, just modified a bit to Mm. take more advantage of the, the expansion pack on the Ram. And then there's interviews where they say that the wind Waker engine was just an expanded version of the Zelda 64 engine. And then, the Wind Waker engine was also used for Twilight Princess. And then there's interviews where they say Skyward Sword's engine was just a more advanced version of the Twilight Princess engine. So from like 1998 until 2011, all of the home console Zelda games essentially used the same engine, just minor improvements each time.
0: It's not surprising. that I mean, when you look at a game series like Halo, they've done the same thing. And halos, yeah. halos have gone. <laughs> like when you look at how pretty the graphics have gotten in Halo, mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing to think that they were still using the Blam engine from it was Blam right, right? Well, Blam. That was
2: the, yeah, that was the original engine, I, I believe. Yeah, that it's
0: basically that's the groundwork for all of the Halos. So it's like that's insane. Yeah, including, including the new one, they still have yeah. some of that framework. Yeah, it's like to, to reinvent the wheel and build a new engine is a lot of time and money, and I can't imagine Nintendo's spending a ton of time on new engines when they have fully functional existing engines. Yeah. Now they did use, they use um, a Monolith soft engine, if I'm not mistaken for breath of the wild, similar to what Xenoblade was built on.
1: I don't. I, so they had a f- physics engine called havoc engine that a lot of companies will just use because yeah. it's, probably cheaper and better than the one they would end up making themselves. But the Breath of the Wild engine, Nintendo, Xenoblade may have helped, or the Xenoblade developers may have helped with it, but it was the same engine that they showed off uh, when they first revealed the Wii U for the 2011 Zelda Wii U tech demo.
0: Oh, are you serious? Wow, really? Uh,
1: Yeah, and then they took that engine, and when they re-released Wind Waker HD, they actually took all of the assets and stuff and implemented it into the Zelda Wii U engine as a way to uh, learn how to develop with just... not just that specific engine, but it was their first HD game and their first game developing on a Wii U. So it was easier for them to learn by taking something they already knew inside and out and bringing it to the Wii U within that engine. And it allowed them to learn how to develop for that engine and that system faster than it would have if they would have just focused on uh, Breath of the Wild the entire time.
0: That makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's a really weird case where a remake was actually developed by the team that would have been developing the actual next big Zelda game, but instead of causing it to be delayed, actually sped up the process, which is odd because it was, was delayed so many times for <laughs> other, other reasons. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah. And part of that, I imagine was just because they knew they had a new system coming out and they are like, all right, only a little bit longer, and we'll release it on both platforms. Although, I'm still sad the inventory management didn't exist on the Wii U gamepad, which would have been an advantage on the Wii U, and I understand it would have Yeah, well, it they showed like- it in that first demo. So, mm-hmm. That first demo,
2: though, was so cool how they, like, you just, like, pan away, like, from the grass, and you see like, the open field, and you see Link on the horse. Oh, my gosh, that was so cool. <laughs> clearly, the tablet of the game is meant
1: to be the gamepad.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep
1: don't have the book beside me, but uh, you mentioned Hyrule Historia earlier. There's one just for, it's basically a giant encyclopedia on Breath of the Wild, and it shows a lot of concept art and things left out of the game. And there's a section where it talks about, um, basically, the Sheikah Slate in the game was designed to mimic the actual Wii U gamepad. Yeah. And Link would be in-game looking at the screen and flying around something like the beetle in Skyward Sword, Mm -hmm. the same way that you would be holding the gamepad and flying Mm -hmm. it around in real life. So (laughs) he's like mimicking you in the game, which is weird. And they had other features that were so specific to the Wii U gamepad that may have been possible on the Switch, but ultimately they just decided to remove just basically everything that couldn't be cross-platform on the Wii U and Switch, which makes me even more excited for Breath of the Wild 2 because, theoretically, there shouldn't be any limitations like that to where any idea they come up with, they don't have to worry about, well, it will work on the Switch because it has so much uh, graphical capabilities or has uh, extra RAM so it can do this. But on the Mm -hmm. Wii U we wouldn't be able to add it. So we just can't do it at all. So hopefully there's no situations like that unless it's for like a, a dual release on whatever their next big console is.
0: Yeah. That would make me upset. <laughs> now, now, hopefully what we will get eventually since everybody's going to have two switches by the end of the time, the switch is out. Right. We'll be able to get like a little hinge to put in the middle and emulate DS games, so I can finally play the DS Zelda games. That would be great.
2: No, they just need to have the Switch be one part of the screen and the TV be the other part. I refuse to
0: buy two Switches. It's not but happening. Then, then you have to have a dock that can actually do processing. The current dock does not. Or just have it stream
2: day. like via Bluetooth or something.
0: It's like the opposite of the Wii U. You stream to the dock instead of exactly. the dock streams exactly. to the gamepad.
1: There was actually a um, one of the rumors for. The, I'm sure you guys know about the dozens and dozens of new switch pro or whatever their next generation console is. Mm. There's like dozens of new rumors about it every day, but one that I liked a lot was talking about the possibility of, if you had one of the new console in the dock plugged up to your TV, then you would be able to connect your, the switch that you already own and use it as a second screen for the new switch that is plugged up to the tv
0: kind of like smart glass with the xbox
1: yeah and they had um on smash brothers they had a weird function on the wii u to where if you had it on the 3ds yes you could use your 3ds mm-hmm. as a controller for the wii u version
0: it's such a weird feature and it, it literally gives put you at a disadvantage if you use it because now you're using a 3ds and, and somebody else may have a Wii U Pro controller, like, who's gonna mm-hmm. win that match? Hmm. Unless you got, like, a super experienced Smash player on the 3DS and a really mediocre novice on the Wii U Pro, yeah. Yeah. most likely the Wii U Pro controller is gonna win.
1: And, uh, there, there's another thing that the Switch already does, where it, I don't know if it just used, uses game developer trickery, or if it is connecting in the way that you would think it is. Um, but and Mario Party and I think some other games there's like mini games or stuff to where one Switch screen will connect and share a screen with the other Switch mm-hmm. so that like um, the player yeah, oh, can yeah, yeah. like, cross yeah. from one screen to the other which is kind of like a basic form of the connectivity between the Switches.
0: So clearly that function is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And- I know how that works, though. Basically, it, it simulates having a, a like more resolution. And then based on communication, I don't know if it's NFC or Bluetooth or what, however, however the switches are communicating. It might even just be the Wi-Fi chips. I'm not sure. But it just basically extends the resolution and pretends like both consoles are playing the game together. And if you get four of them together, then boom, then you just basically have a, a sub-4K display.
1: <laughs> That's actually really... Cool. I didn't know if it was just like trickery to where the game knew, okay, this switch is supposed to be in this spot and this other switch is supposed to be in this spot. So instead of actually connecting and sharing a display, they're each just going to render out their own little uh, display of what should be there as opposed to like true connectivity. But what you said makes more sense.
0: It's kind of like when you have the extend display on your computer. The computer can detect there's multiple displays. Well, it's based on like a wireless technology that Nintendo is able to access that kind of similar connectivity. That's my understanding based on when I read the documentation.
1: Mm -hmm. I had
0: had gotten into a dev portal at one point in time on accident (laughs) and found out some of this stuff. Um, I'm not a dev, obviously, so (laughs) I probably wasn't meant to be there. Mm -hmm. But I did see some of it. It was pretty cool. Um, Let me see here. So how do you feel about Zelda going into 2021? Or 2022? My goodness.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> We're in 2021. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there, let, me, let me rephrase the question. Is there anything that should have happened this year that yes. you're like, okay, it's okay. got to happen next year. No. <laughs> so and, and then again, are you excited about what they've already announced for next year?
1: I was trying to think of a way to answer the First phrasing of the question, yes, sorry about possibly answering a question that might be coming up later on. Which, yeah I understand. Uh, basically it goes to all of the the rumors that we've had. The thing that Daniel and I have been saying on our channel where we talk about all the Zelda rumors and stuff on the podcast mm-hmm. specifically if it's a viewer that uh, sends it to us and wants to hear our opinions on it. Um, we'll talk about it, but we'll make it clear that we don't think these rumors are actually happening, unless it is one that we do believe, or is from someone who clearly has an almost perfect track record. Um, Like, It's really odd when you see some of these websites where it's like, known and trusted leaker blah 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 says this game's coming out at this time. And then they don't link to anything to where you can see that trusted or accurate and yep. when you do your own research it's like they've said a thousand things and two things came true with, Yeah, it's just the mm-hmm. way that it is most of the time but with all of those rumors I had the idea because Nintendo had so much faith in Skyward Sword I think it was the most expensive Zelda game that they had released at the time and they invested so much into perfecting the motion controls and everything and even the original idea for Breath of the Wild, Al Numa said that he and the rest of Nintendo just loved the one-to-one motion controls so much that they couldn't imagine making another Zelda game without those controls. Mm -hmm. And it was like they, because of fan feedback, they just instantly dropped the idea. But um, because it did so poorly when they announced this HD remake, I had the same thoughts like is the remake going to act as or sell as poorly as the original did and they had so much fanfare behind it with the posters and the switch joy cons the new amiibo adding uh new stuff to the game the um they released a bunch of shirts and clothing and just like tons and tons of stuff that even breath of the wild didn't really get some of the stuff that was introduced with Skyward Sword. And it was just, like, really odd. And around the... So this was something that we couldn't really mention for a while, but we were contacted by Nintendo and Amazon when they were doing this Skyward Sword Zelda celebration event thing. And it was, like, right after Skyward Sword was revealed. And... It was just completely boggling my mind that they were just putting all this effort into a game that didn't really do that well the first time. And even games like Twilight Princess, which was the best selling game, and mm-hmm. more people had played and had uh good experiences with when it was released in HD, it barely sold at all. So much that you could walk in and just buy the limited edition with the Wolf Link Amiibo year. Were two years after you would have imagined it would have been sold out. So I was thinking if that game did that poorly, then Skyward Sword surely is going to be like one of the lowest selling games on the Switch. Like the people that may be interested will get it, but it ended up doing really well. And part of the idea that I had was if any of the rumors were true, which the one that, uh we believed was Ocarina of Time HD as opposed to like a collection or Wind Waker HD or Twilight Princess HD or any of them but we kept on saying that if they do release it or announce it it wouldn't be until after Skyward Sword HD had all of its promotion done mm. with because like if they announced Skyward Sword in February I believe And then come June, a few months later, at E3, they announce Ocarina of Time or Twilight Princess HD or Wind Waker HD or something like that. Most people that just want a Zelda game, they don't really care which one it is, are going to choose Ocarina of Time HD or Twilight Princess HD over Skyward Sword HD just because they know it will be good to where Skyward Sword probably had more complaints than almost any other Zelda game. So Mm -hmm. with all the promotional weight they were putting behind skyward sword i thought there was no chance that they would announce any other big zelda games until that game had already run its course
0: yeah it doesn't make business sense to compete against yourself especially when you're trying to market it as hard as they was skyward sword Um, i will say this uh skyward sword was a game i really enjoyed on the wii i thought it was actually really well made uh, but the waggle controls, I don't think, were ever quite what gamers necessarily wanted. I think they were pretty well put together. I don't know how you personally feel about the Wii controls, but I thought that with the Wii Motion Plus and playing that game as Link with a, with a Wii, Mo- it was much better than the implementation for Twilight Princess, which, <laughs> let's just face it, that was early Wii motion controls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were definitely refined much better with the Skyward Sword game. But even then, there were some parts of the game where I was like, really? Like, this is a motion control? Like, I think the, there was one, a balancing one where you had to, like, mm-hmm. hold it correctly while you're balancing on a beam. And I failed at that so many times because it was just not intuitive. It was, it was, once you figure it out, it's well done, but it's not intuitive to do it right out the gate, whereas a lot of other Wii-related items were very intuitive with their implementation. Mm-hmm. And so I just found there was a little bit of a disconnect in some of the parts of the original Skyward Sword, uh, and I was looking forward to playing it on the switch. And then I realized I've already played this game. And every time I buy a game again, after I've already played it, I'm way less likely to play it again. So I ended up not buying it yet. I will eventually probably buy Skyward Sword. I did like that one, but
2: yeah. So Skyward Sword and Majora's Mask, Those was the last two 3d games I have to beat. And um, I already have Skyward Sword on the Wii. Is it worth buying uh, the HD version and just playing that one instead?
1: I would say yes. I was waiting for Chris to answer, but I, I would say yes because of the fact that there, there are a lot of complaints with the the loft wing amiibo, but if you do have it and you do use it, it does make traveling around a bit easier and faster, and the uh, optional traditional controls, which it's not really traditional because you're using the right stick, but right. for a long time, that was actually the preferred way that a lot of people would play it. They would emulate it on the Dolphin mm-hmm. emulator and then just set the motion controls to where if you move the right stick to the left, Link swings to the left. And when we kept on talking about a Skyward Sword HD remake uh, coming up, there would be a bunch of people in the comments saying stuff like, oh, they would would never bring it to the Switch because you wouldn't be able to play it in handheld mode which was the entire purpose of the switch. But then they released a console <laughs> just for handheld mode and didn't have mm-hmm. the other mode, which is the oddest thing because it's probably just literally a, a the difference between a one and a zero in the coding that <laughs> does that.
0: Um, I'm pretty so sure it, based on the hardware design of yeah. the light, the switch light, there's no reason you couldn't actually output to a display.
1: Right. So it would just with, be
0: enabling it software wise. I think I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah, and there was already games on the Switch that was, uh, I think Severed was one that was like a, a mobile game and a PlayStation Vita game. Yeah, that you you could only play it touchscreen, and it came. It was like one of the first games to come onto the Switch, and I don't think there's any way at all to play it with uh, traditional controls. But I would just remind them of that, and then link to a stream that I had where I was playing it with the Xbox controls and. Oddly enough, whenever Skyward Sword HD was announced, it was basically like Nintendo apparently had that exact same thought themselves. Even though there was a bunch of interviews when they, because Nintendo always denies something repeatedly right before it gets announced, seems yes. to be their <laughs> Yeah, so that Mother Three.
0: Yeah.
1: So there was all the <laughs> the interviews where uh, they kept on saying uh, remaking Skyward Sword with traditional controls or bringing it to the Switch is almost impossible or whatever. And everyone would just use that quote. I'm like, yeah, but Nintendo also said the same thing about the Switch replacing the Wii U or the DS, replacing the Game Boy Advance, or like they denied uh, they were working on Majora's Mask, even though it was obvious that if they ever release Ocarina of Time, you could probably bet Majora's Mask is soon to follow. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was just all the other games. Like, there was one time they were asked about the Wii U ending production, which they denied. And then a day or two later, announced it was ending production. (laughs) So it's just like a really odd uh, thing that Nintendo does. But I I think it adds enough to make it worth purchasing, especially watching it in HD or playing it in HD. There's a lot of... uh, And the 60 frames as well, which... Even the Wii U remakes didn't run at it. a full sixty frames. But mm-hmm. Skyward Sword HDs, aside from Breath of the Wild, is the most cinematic to where it actually tells the story in cutscenes in a way where you could piece it together to make an actual movie, where mm-hmm. if you try to do that with like Twilight Princess, it might work. And then games before that you're just not going to get anything out of, like maybe 10 minutes of cutscenes with like the 64 games. Mm-hmm. But Skyward Sword plays in such a way that it's like almost as if they came up with a really good story and then added the gameplay that they had already thought up into the story to where usually they say they come up with the story as just ways to connect mm-hmm. one good idea they have for gameplay to another good idea and story mm-hmm. It's like the last thing they come up with where Skyward Sword seems to be like the first game where they actually put an emphasis on the story so watching through those cutscenes in HD is really good
0: okay. I would definitely agree that if you're going to get Skyward Sword now especially if you don't already own it, well you already have it on the Wii okay. so you yeah, have, already you have, a, you have yeah. a decision to make but for most people that didn't already play it Um, Because it seems like it was a low attach rate with the Wii, Um, especially you've already kind of reinforced that idea. I would definitely say you should probably jump on the HD version, uh, especially since it doesn't seem there's any downside to the HD version, unlike some other games where you've seen some weird (laughs) downgrades. But Zelda, generally speaking, when they bring it to a new platform in HD, it has done better or looked better or had... Quality of life improvements. Nintendo seems to take care of their franchises a little better than other companies have in regards to remakes, ports, and remasters. Especially like Link's Awakening is a beautiful looking game, even though it's an odd kind of Zelda art design, but it is still a really nice looking game. Oh, yeah, like
1: Yeah. Oh, I almost forgot you in the question about next year, the, the other thing I wanted to mention was actually Link's Awakening. But I can wait until you're done before I go into that.
2: Oh, I'll okay. keep going. I think you got it called off. Okay, so I mean, I sort of want to ask this question. We might be jumping ahead just a little bit. Uh, so we had the a two D game remake. Do you think that they're going to have another two D game remake prior to Breath of the Wild two coming out, or at I, the very least, you think we're getting another one?
1: I I think the I strongly believe. Ocarina of Time HD will be the next remake. Not, okay. I know there's tons and tons of rumors about Twilight Princess and Wind Waker, but, and even the uh, remakes for the Oracle games uh, popped up, mm-hmm. which actually touches on what I was going to say with Link's Awakening, because there was a lot of people that I don't think it was really a rumor that came from anyone. I think it was just a natural, obvious thought that people had where uh Fizzo and Nintendo had already remade awakening, which was a Game Boy game, and then uh the Oracle games, the same engine, same assets would be just an obvious next place to go.
0: Your mic is kinda of acting odd right now. Mine? Yeah, you were you're like cutting in and out for a minute there. Alright,
1: is this better? You're yeah. Good. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So with uh Link's Awakening moving to the Oracle games, which would be another 2D uh, remake. And they do have all the assets and the engine that they could just reuse. But for some odd reason, when they began working on Link's Awakening um, and they were hiring for it, they kind of made it obvious they were hiring for Link's Awakening or at least a 2D Zelda game with the, the website that they put up on asking for people to apply and they said that they would like for the anyone applying to have experience in either unity or unreal engine Mm -hmm. and they ended up going with unreal engine for links awakening and i'm not a developer I i don't really know the the difference and i know one engine will use the hardware in a different way than another engine or one engine might take a lot of uh, CPU power to produce the same kind of lighting that another engine could do easily, just depending on how well the engines are coded and how optimized Mm. they are for the system. But for some reason, Link's Awakening didn't run that well on the switch and it was made in Unreal Engine which was something that fans had been asking for for a long time, was remake a Zelda game using Unreal Engine because they just assumed they would get a realistic-looking Zelda game like some of the fan remakes on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Not taking in the realization that just because something uses an engine doesn't mean it has to look a certain way.
0: Right, Um, and not to mention that the hardware that the Unreal Engine remakes were running on was a full blown <laughs> gaming PC, not yes. a Nintendo yeah. Switch. Yes, <laughs> exactly.
1: Uh, but with uh, with that, the like soon after, Links Awakening came out. Um, they put up another posting, which again they kind of made it obvious they were hiring for another Zelda game, and in it they said they were hiring for Unity, which was the other original choice they had before they went with Unreal Engine. And uh, before, like while they were in the middle of developing for uh, Link's Awakening, Nintendo actually came out and told indie developers or third party that they preferred them to use Unity Engine as opposed to Unreal Engine because it ran better on the system. And so now, even though Grezzo had spent all that time like making their own version of Unreal Engine to work well with the Zelda game and optimizing it for the Switch and they had all these assets already planned out uh, similar to just going from Ocarina of Time to Majora's Mask where you just had to make like the new world and you still had the abilities or weapons and stuff that could carry over and the characters that you could just drag and drop but with The Unity engine, they could still use a lot of those assets, but it isn't as simple as just copying and pasting like it would have been if they would have just reused Unreal Engine. So, a lot of those, that's what a lot of the rumors was actually based off of, which was it just makes sense for them to make the Oracle games using the Unreal Engine from Link's Awakening, not realizing that they're very clearly not going back to Unreal Engine, at least not for Switch, and with the Unity Engine, like, they could be using that to make Oracle games, but even then, I think the... This goes with the Ocarina of Time HD thing, is, if you look at both Oracle games, and Nintendo... Grezzo would have to develop them from scratch, like, rebuilding all the dungeons in 2.5D or 3D or whatever it, would be, and they would actually have to spend a lot of time doing that, even though they could just carry over character models and stuff like that. But with the Oracle games, or not Oracle, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, Grezo already has a history of quickly remaking 3DS games in HD, to where it only takes like a small team a few months, and it's ready to go. And with that history, and with Ocarina of Time being one of the more popular Zelda games that I think as a business decision, Ocarina of Time HD based off of its name alone would sell more in pre-orders at a full $60 price than the Oracle games would in its entire run for both games.
0: I, I, I will say this in regards to Ocarina of Time's selling power, I think the idea that Ocarina of Time 3D was coming to the 3DS like literally sold 3DS systems. Um, And it was an easy sell because you don't have to upscale too much from the original to the 3DS because the the resolutions aren't that different other than the depth of field edition that you get with 3DS software. Um, But going from Ocarina of Time to Ocarina of Time HD, now there's a whole different... Expectation from the fans, and I think that's gonna be more work. If you just upscale the 3ds thing to the switch, I think you're gonna underwhelm quite a few people that played it on the 3ds because they're like, expecting this major release to be almost from the ground up new assets like the Unreal yeah. Engine, and that, that's where you're running the issue. I think Nintendo, a lot of the reasons they do these cease and desists on like third-party yeah. people producing these things is specifically so that they can't get you know some somebody with a beefy PC. Creating the Ocarina of Time HD definitive look before Nintendo has a chance to do their own thing and then make the IP the way that they would want to make it to work on the hardware they have to work with versus, you know, like even my PC is more powerful than the Switch. I could run a much better version of Mm -hmm. Ocarina of Time on here, but it wouldn't be a Nintendo product and it wouldn't be what Nintendo's vision is for the Switch And so, therefore, I understand, like, it's taken me a long time to come to terms with the cease and desist that Nintendo puts out. But it makes sense to protect your IP, even if a fan project is making no money. For that exact reason.
1: Yeah. uh, The situation that comes to my mind was the fan remake of Metroid 2.
0: Yeah. uh, Another Metroid 2 remake.
1: Yeah. AM2R. And, like like, maybe a month or so after they went after that game, they announced their own remake. So as
0: returns. When they
1: do come after very specific games or fan creations, it does kind of hint at what they're thinking on their own. Where in Sega's case, uh with Sonic Mania, there were fans making a new Sonic game based off of the games that they used to like and Sega just hired them to officially join a team and make the game. So, if Which Nintendo is a cool idea. Yeah. If if Nintendo had that outlook, I I think it would Maybe we would be getting too many remakes. Who knows? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no such thing.
1: <laughs> but with the uh, uh, to finish off the Ocarina of Time HD thing is uh, not only would it not only do I believe it would sell more in pre-orders than both Oracle games would individually through their entire life cycle, but where it would take a year, maybe two years, if it takes as long as the original Links Awakening did to remake that those two games, especially since there's two that you're remaking, not just the one, then that's about a year and a half, two years they're spending making that with a full team, or two full teams if they have a full team on each game. Whereas with Ocarina of Time HD and Grizzo's history of quickly remaking games from the 3DS to HD, it would only take a small team a couple of months to do a basic HD port of the 3DS Ocarina of Time. So in just a few months, in terms of just a purely business decision, which Nintendo kind of seems to do most of the time, uh, would you rather put a little bit of money and a small team together working on something you know is going to sell like 10 times more and they only have to work on it for three months as opposed to two full teams working two full years and it's still not selling as well. Like, you may still end up doing that second option, but you would imagine they would do the first option to, at the very least, partially fund the one that you don't believe is going to get as big of a return.
0: I will take Oracle of Ages and, and Seasons and raise you Minish Cat. <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> I would love to see Minish Cap in HD, but that, that that's probably not going to happen anytime <laughs> soon. Um, yeah. I actually think that Nintendo, uh, being the um, smart business that they are, will probably hold back Ocarina of Time to be HD to be a, unless the Switch 2 is way far out there off than we think it is, to be a release day release for the next Switch.
1: That's, that's a possibility. And there's a, another thing where a lot of people think that these remakes reports would take Nintendo or whatever team making them like a year or two years, like with Mm -hmm. the case of Link's Awakening. But um, going to what I mentioned earlier, where they took Wind Waker and remade it using parts of the Zelda Wii U or the early Breath of the Wild engine, Mm -hmm. they said from having the meeting to where they agreed to experiment and try it out to where they experimented with Wind Waker HD, Twilight Princess HD, and Skyward Sword HD. Like, they have models and designs for, and even uh, screenshots of cutscenes from Twilight Princess that look a lot better than the actual Twilight Princess HD remake (laughs) does, and even a lot better than the Skyward Sword HD remake does. And I think that's partially because it was using that newer engine as opposed to just bringing the older engine up to a, a new console. But anyways, um, ah, I've, I got off track. I forgot what I was saying.
0: I know that you're, but we were bouncing off my switch to Ocarina of H time, HD comment, I think a little bit, maybe
1: yeah. you were
0: wrapping up the Oracle of seasons, Oracle of ages discussion in regards to the remake versus, um, just selling the Ocarina of time upscale from three DS era.
1: Yeah. So, I'm going to have to think on that, but I'll, I'll come okay. back to it. Okay. <laughs> like I, just, I just had so many like random behind-the-scenes stuff going on in my head. Yeah. Hard to keep track of it all.
0: I think if an official Switch 2 announcement happens, what we'll, what we'll see is that Breath of the Wild 2 will probably be the last big Zelda title to release on the original Switch platform. And then maybe they have a cross-platform release of Ocarina of Time HD.
1: Yeah,
0: That'd be, That's my best guess.
1: So it came back to me.
0: when you you
1: were mentioning some of that. Uh, But basically, to try and make it quick um, through experimenting with all three of those games, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, Skyward Sword, and then having to learn exactly what this new engine they were making can do and couldn't do, and Mm -hmm. then trying to learn what the new console, the Wii U, could do and couldn't do, and even that it was the first uh, Zelda game being developed in HD, they had to figure out uh, actual quality ways that they could use the gamepad instead of just making it a weird gimmick. So they had the, the motion control, which has stayed, uh, but maybe that was carried over from the 3DS games because I think they had similar motion control.
0: Mm-hmm. But...
1: The whole map being on the controller, so you don't have to pause the game, touch screen to drag your inventory around. They had to come up with a ways to implement all that. They created the Meverse function that was brand new to the game. Mm-hmm. They did all this stuff for it and tweaked the game and removed a bunch of stuff like the long, drawn out sequences. And said that took less than six months. And they weren't even focused on Wind Waker HD for. That six months because it began with them focusing on which would benefit the most, which they decided was Wind Waker. Um, So like if that was the the time it took for Wind Waker HD to be made Mm -hmm. and it was on a console they weren't familiar with, with an engine they weren't familiar with, and they had to come up with ways to not just bring the game to HD, but make necessary changes that they felt would improve it, as well as adding new features like Miiverse and coming up with everything uh, in the development time. If that took six months, then taking an HD game for the Wii U, which Nintendo's done a lot themselves, kind of like Grizzly (laughs) with 3DS to HD, but uh, taking Wind Waker HD, if it only took less than six months to do all of that and create it from the original... Then just porting that over to the Switch shouldn't take, but maybe a month or two at the most, depending on the size of the team or how ambitious they are with it. Like, obviously, they'd have to take out the message in a bottle Meverse stuff, but mm-hmm. maybe they would leave it in and have it just send out to your friends list or something like that. Who knows?
0: But I will say this they must have some way to toggle from the gamepad in Wii U space to make it a pause menu in Switch space pretty well down pat because it, it seems like the ports from the Wii U to the Switch have gotten so quick and easy mm-hmm. as time goes on that it's like from announcement to release, it's like,
1: oh, it's already out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to, to sum it all up, I was just giving examples, but the, the main point that I was trying to get across was like, If Nintendo started right now, they could be finished with Wind Waker HD for the Switch next month. Yeah, A a lot of people think if they did it, it would take a year for them to bring over or something like that, but it's like, no, the original HD version didn't even take that long. And it was a small team. So it would just take another small team, maybe a month or two to bring over to the Switch. So even if it was something that wasn't even a thought in their head before yesterday, then they could have it finished by Thanksgiving or Christmas or something. It'd be a good
0: holiday seller. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But so that's uh, all of that is essentially what I expect to, to be happening next year. And it also ties into the thing I said earlier about waiting until Skyward Sword HD runs its course.
0: Yeah, I figure you give that one a year, it'll probably pretty much run through its course at that point. I mean, people will yeah. still buy it. Like, Breath of the Wild is still getting pretty good sales as people buy the brand new mm-hmm. Switch. Like, for example, the OLED model, you see a spike in Skyward Skyward. Skyward Yeah, Skyward Sword as well, but Breath of the Wild sales go up again. It's like, this game is one of those um, Forever Green, uh, what is it called? Was it uh, Evergreen? Evergreen titles. Yes. It's kind of like Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Evergreen title, continues to sell. I think it's mm-hmm. surpassed 30 million sales, which is
1: insane. Yeah. Um, in Japan, I don't know if it may be announced for the, the rest of the markets as well, but they're releasing a new version or packaging of Breath of the Wild that comes with the DLC packed in.
0: Ooh, I'm definitely getting mad if they can it here.
1: Like they, they had a version that came with the download code, for the DLC, but I think this might be that same thing, just in a different packaging where it might have the DLC and whatever updates it has already on the Switch cartridge. I'm not really sure, but they are doing like a new version of it. And every couple of months or so, I will notice that very basic stuff, which most Breath of the Wild players should already know, like okay. uh, getting the shards or the horns of the dragons and the uh, like, the best tactics to kill a guardian or the different versions of guardians, those continue to be the most popular videos on my channel, even mm. though it's stuff that is very basic to the game, which tells me that there are lots and lots of new players to the game.
0: There it is confirmed the breath of the wild edition in Japan is going to include all DLC, but it's only available in Japan. So, so far.
1: Oh, that also reminds me of uh, something we touched on earlier with the, the 35th Zelda anniversary. Other announcements that they had was, um, it was under skyward sword, but it had music from the entire Zelda series, which was, uh, they had the one CD when Skyward Sword first released, but they released a five-disc collection. Yep. And even if it was announced when Skyward Sword released, like that's one thing that makes me think. They waited and held everything off until they were just ready to announce it because you would imagine just having one... If you're not going to have a Zelda Direct blowout where everything's mm-hmm. announced, at least put all of the Skyward Sword stuff together. But mm-hmm. even the Amiibo functionality we didn't know about until later on. We didn't really know what the Amiibo was going to be. Uh, we didn't know anything about this um, Skyward Sword collection or all of the accessories and shirts and stuff that they also released for Skyward Sword where you would imagine all of it would have made one giant uh, great direct for Zelda fans.
2: Yep. I wonder why they decided not to do that. I feel like that was kind of a, a weird decision
1: yeah I I, the only thing I could think of is where they had with everything that they have announced this year they've had so many different partners that they've had mm-hmm. to work with to where some of the partners may have been able to produce and finish everything despite uh, the world basically closing down for a while maybe mm-hmm. on some of them it didn't affect manufacturing or productivity at all to where others it did and that's why we got like an amiibo announcement months after the actual game announcement and then we ended up getting that big zelda cd collection even months after that and where you would imagine it would be perfect to go together at once
0: and I, i think to add to that Um, I think because you have different manufacturing lanes for each of these different products, Nintendo may not have been 100% confident that they were all able to release on the same time. So they probably didn't want to make the announcement until they knew they had manufacturing lined up for Amiibos, manufacturing lined up for the game, manufacturing lined up for the CDs, because they all go down a different manufacturing process. And so unless you know for a fact they're all coming out at the same time, it's hard to announce them all at the same time, unless you already have that confirmed ahead of time. I guess.
1: Yeah, and something else, um, you probably see the Majora's Mask statue or the Zelda statue. Mm-hmm. They announced the Champion Series the month before E3 where they're making the statues of the champions from Breath of the Wild, which seemed, because it came out of nowhere, and even some of the voice actors that we're friends with, they didn't even know that they were getting these awesome statues designed after the characters that they play. And mm. they like the announcement literally just came out of nowhere. And no so that's the Amiibo, the actual first four figures statues, the company that's making it. But I thought,
0: Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I was thinking of the wrong thing.
1: No, no, it's good. But in the same way that Skyward Sword had its Amiibo shown later, and then the soundtrack revealed later, I think the same thing may have happened with maybe Nintendo planned to have this Breath of the Wild 2 trailer, and then these new quality statues based off of characters from that game to be shown off at the same time. But maybe the trailer wasn't ready, and that's why we didn't get it with Skyward Sword, or back to the whole thing of not wanting to overshadow Skyward Sword. They let that trailer breathe on its own, and then waited until E3 to show off the next Breath of the Wild trailer. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, I, I think it was something that they originally planned to announce them at the same time together, just like the Skyward Sword stuff, but didn't for whatever reason. And I think it's just a series of events like that that just led up to, instead of one big announcement, it's like three or four small or medium sized announcements and then spread out over the year.
0: So do you think that the, there's a high likelihood that Wind Waker and Twilight Princess will find their way on the Switch?
1: Yeah. So like we mentioned a minute ago it's Because you're saying the production like, will be easy. Yeah, it w- wouldn't take Nintendo any time at all. Apparently they've already perfected bringing Wii U games to the Switch. So they have the experience to quickly do it, and despite quickly bringing it over, still having the quality there as well. They know it would sell amazingly well, since almost everything Zelda on Switch is selling well. If Skyward Sword mm-hmm. HD sold really well, then I imagine Wind Waker or Twilight Princess would have no problems. But I do not think it will be a collection of any kind, whether it's... not. Yeah, maybe the Oracle games, if they came, would get a collection similar to what we see with Pokemon games okay. to where you can buy the bundles together, but it's not necessarily like a traditional bundle to wear like the same game on one cart or whatever, mm-hmm. or two games on one cart. I think it would just be like the packaging together.
0: Yeah, and I think it would be cool is if they did do any kind of um, Oracle of uh, whatever uh, we what think Oracle collection, then it would be cool to get Capcom back on board with the original storyboard for the third part of that game. And then you could say it's a never before released Zelda trilogy, third game, you know, like what they originally had planned. And then you could make it this big, cool project that would get people hyped up as opposed to just a remake of the Oracle games.
1: Yeah. Um, so the original idea they had um, when they... I keep getting sidetracked on these tangents. I'll stop if you want I, no, no, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I think these tangents
0: are part of the reason people listen to these kind all of podcasts.
1: Right. So um, through all the interviews and stuff, Capcom basically got started on working on Zelda remakes and stuff because the producer, the director went to Miyamoto and was like I really want to work on this and he said no. And then Essentially, he blackmailed him into letting him work on games because he was like, if you don't let me remake Zelda, then I'll just make a game that's really similar to Zelda (laughs) and you'll have another uh, adventure, action-adventure franchise to worry about. So then he was like, okay, well, maybe, maybe you can remake Zelda. So then they started doing that and halfway through development or at some point in development, they had the idea to just make entirely new games instead of taking the time to make the remake. And then they had the three games they were working on, and I think Nintendo were the ones that scaled it back down to two, and it went from the Mystical Seeds of Courage and all of that to Oracle of Seasons and Ages. And what they did was they took a lot of the assets and stuff that they already finished for the Zelda remake Mm -hmm. and used like kind of combined that with the new stuff from one of the Oracle games or one of the mystical seeds games. And that became one of the Oracle games, which is why if you look, they literally have the exact same bosses from Zelda one carried over to this. And even the map itself has a similar layout And with the other game that became the other Oracle game, they took the other two Mystical Seeds games and kind of combined them together to make um, that Oracle game. Which is why it has, like, one of them has all the bosses from the first Zelda game, and then the other one has, like, just a mix of um, stories between two Oracles, where the other one just has it focused on one. So they could do a third game, but it wouldn't necessarily be the exact third game that they would have made before, because the story and dungeon ideas and mechanics and everything, they had planned for that. Some of that would have been put into this Oracle game as part of it. So they would have to come up with almost an entirely new third game based off of... The new versions of the two Oracle games. So, that's a good
0: point. Yeah, I know there was like a lot of uh, hectic dev process in regards to how the Oracle games came out.
1: Yeah, and even that's simple compared to uh, Zelda 64 and Ocarina of Time's development.
0: <laughs> I, w- I will say my favorite 64. I know this is like not the popular opinion, but I think I personally like Majora's Mask better than Ocarina of Time. I'm probably on a shorter list than other people that like grain of Time, but, you know, I, I do prefer Majora's Mask. I like that darker story.
1: I, I have to ask the question because every time someone in the comments even mentions it, Daniel, uh, the co-host for my Zelda podcast, mm-hmm. he goes on like a 30-minute tangent, even if it's just like the one word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he infamously just hates almost everything that has to do with Majora's Mask 3D because of all <laughs> the changes in it.
3: Okay.
1: Uh, so what are your thoughts on the changes they made? Because it seems like Grezzo got a little bit of freedom with Ocarina of Time 3D, and it sold really well and did well, and people liked it. So then Nintendo maybe gave them a little bit too much freedom with their next game?
0: I prefer, so I'm actually even weirder. I prefer the GameCube port on the Legend of Zelda collection Mm -hmm. on the GameCube. That's my favorite version of Majora's Mask, because I like the GameCube controller for Majora's Mask. And it's basically the only way you can play with a GameCube controller is with the the anniversary collection on that GameCube. (laughs) So I'm even weirder than what you're thinking.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's so, I think like at the time it did render it out to be uh, 480p as opposed to like the 240i or 240p the 64 head. at least I did remember,
0: I don't remember if it did 480p. Yeah. So I don't the, think that game had the component upgrade.
1: Maybe not. Um, but I remember on the collector's edition disc before you went into Majora's Mask, it gave a warning that like the yeah. game may have some bugs or glitches. <laughs> and at the time I was like, but it plays perfect. Why? Why does it have any bugs? There, it it actually is quarter. mostly
0: just audio glitches. Um, yeah. Like there's some loading screens where the audio doesn't load correctly, but overall, yeah. it, it's it's basically a perfect port to the GameCube. Like there's very few complaints I have with it.
1: Yeah, and with you mentioning Majora, you liked Majora's Mask over Ocarina of Time. I didn't notice it at the beginning, but the first time after going from Majora's Mask back to playing ocarina of time i noticed the pause menu takes it feels like forever compared to majora's mask to where it's like two three times longer every time you pause the game which is a lot in some of the dungeons
0: so it's quite optimized um I, i think that they took everything that was good about ocarina of time and made a different more streamlined more uh optimized game with majora's mask it's yeah. like any, any complaints that were existent in Ocarina of Time were essentially f- fixed, at, at least what they could mechanically, in mm-hmm. Majora's Mask. The,
1: uh, there was an interview where Miyamoto said something along the lines of Majora's Mask was developed with fans who had become experts of Ocarina of Time in mind. Which is yeah. something I didn't really think about because it, it didn't seem like the dungeons were that much harder. But hmm. as he says, maybe that's because I did play through Ocarina of Time so many times that the newer mechanics, I didn't need to be like just retaught the old stuff. You can it was intuitive. Continue. Yeah. And I think that sort of comes from the idea that uh, like a lot of the newer content that would have been in the big Zelda Ura expansion was reused for Majora's Mask and other games. So I think that's why it felt more of like just a continuation of everything that you'd previously known while still introducing some of the newer ideas like the transformation masks and stuff. But I think that has a lot to do with it as well. And then the side quests is something that a lot of people praise. because I of- love
0: the music too. It's got some of the most different music and like ominous feeling of yeah. that Zelda series. I, I like the timing mechanic too. And a lot of people think Groundhog Day is a horrible timing mechanic for video <laughs> games, but mm-hmm. I actually quite like that uh, timer and the, you don't feel like you can do everything in one round, one go through. And I kind of like that because it made me way more efficient at what I was doing in each of the three day playthroughs. And yeah. then every time you see Dawn of the Final Day, you're like, oh, <laughs> here it comes.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff like that. Because in Ocarina of Time, you are introduced to versions of these characters. But a lot of them just have nothing going on. They're just there to be an NPC to yeah. make the world not feel empty. Mm-hmm. Which, oddly enough, um, in Breath of the Wild with the Zonai tribe, which is something a lot of people try theorizing about or coming up with their own ideas, but Nintendo, whenever they're asked about it, they're like, oh, we just came up with this mysterious ancient race just to make the world feel more alive. That's it. And then the name Zonai translates to like mystery or something like that as well. Um, But similarly, with uh, Majora's Mask, like you get to know all these characters that would have been there for basically the same reason. And then in Majora's Mask these characters you're already familiar with are given an actual story. And even mm-hmm. the characters that did have a story before have an even uh, stronger story that also connects out to a lot of the other stories where some of them have, uh, like the, the bomb lady, for instance, like their side quests based on whether or not she gets robbed and their side quests based on whether or not you save her. Mm-hmm. And no matter which route you take, you can do uh, have different outcomes and do different things and obtain different items and stuff. So it has a lot of interesting stuff. I think the only other time that a Zelda game does that that I can think of is in Skyward Sword, you have a choice of giving the hand in the toilet the litter yeah. from Callan, I think. <laughs> And I almost just, forgot about that. And then he just tortures and terrorizes him, makes fun of him. He's like, you're not going to get the girl. Just give up. You're a loser. <laughs> I'm like, geez, this guy looking in a toilet is calling me a loser. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> oh, imagine imagine yeah. being the guy in the toilet saying those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Uh, well, basically where I'm at now is you need to play Majora's Mask. Like, that needs to be Yep. And given that we've kind of gone this route on Majora's Mask <clears throat> and given the original reveal of Breath of the Wild 2 seemed pretty ominous, mm-hmm. um, do you think there's any chance that Breath of the Wild 2 plays, like like a, it's out of left field gameplay-wise, like Majora's Mask was for anybody who played Ocarina of Time before it? Do you think this is going to be like a, a completely out of left field game or do you think it'll be more safe and iterative of Breath of the Wild?
1: I want to hear Will's thoughts first. I so been talking nonstop. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm, I'm
2: hoping it's more iterative, uh, whereas, but also exploring darker themes and having some new game make uh, gameplay mechanics. Like maybe not have Zelda being taken, have her maybe like a playable character and have like you know have her own like side story or something. I think that would be kind of cool. Um, I don't know. Th- this is something that I've thought about a lot because as soon as that first trailer hit, I was like, oh, it's so dark. It's like Majora's Mask. And then I started thinking about it, I was like, oh, but I love Breath of the Wild. Do I really want them to go and completely change it up when they're like, they've already acknowledged it's going to be in the same world, it's going to be in the same engine? Because um, they've only done that once before. And you know how that turned out. It was a completely different game. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping it's iterative and not completely different. But it's Nintendo. They just do whatever the hell they want. So, <laughs> <laughs> And they print money. Yeah, exactly. It's like whatever it's going to be, I'm going to buy it. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. So, there's a lot of fans, and even, I've seen a lot of uh, websites do this as well, where they, for some reason, think that Nintendo never listens to fans and just uh, like they do do what they want, like putting a wolf in a game or making a Zelda game to where you're on a boat. Yeah, the wolf thing it, was cool.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you're on a boat basically forever. And then like people uh, like Skyward Sword doesn't have an overworld. Right. So it's like they do their own thing a lot, but they do also take a lot of fan feedback. Like the reason we didn't get wind waker two was because of twilight princess or not twilight princess, but because uh, the Western audiences didn't like the tune style. So they just went the completely opposite direction. But I think
0: long-term people do like the tune style.
1: Games. Yeah, yeah, there, there are <laughs> a lot of people that have turned around on it now, um, especially with games like Nino Kuni, yeah, looking amazing in a, a similar style. Like I was hoping that's what a Wind Waker HD remake would have looked like. Uh, but with uh, Wind Waker Two became Twilight Princess because of fan feedback, and then Twilight Princess had complaints that it had this massive open world that was so large it had to be sectioned off into different areas to load in everything. And it was just so big that it kind of felt empty to a lot of people. So then Nintendo was like, okay, well, our next game, instead of making a big overworld that feels empty, we'll just make smaller segmented worlds that have tons of stuff to do, which is Mm -hmm. what Skyward Sword's main three provinces was. And then people complained about no overworld. So then Breath of the Wild had just one giant overworld. (laughs) That was still uh, mostly filled with stuff to do, even if it was just finding a random Korok puzzle or something like that, or a shrine. There was still Mm -hmm. something there. And uh, they even had the feature they released in the DLC where it was the Hero's Journey or something to where it shows you all the places you visited. And that was a tool Mm -hmm. that Nintendo designed. uh,
0: Based on fan feedback?
1: Yeah, because they, with DLC and the sequel, they wanted to look at the areas that people weren't visiting, find out what's wrong with those areas, why people weren't going there, and then making them better. And uh, with that, we also seen a lot of the stuff released in the DLC was actually, like if you look in the, uh, creating a champion book that I mentioned earlier. There's a lot of stuff in it that was concept uh, things or unused content that was removed. Like there's a bunch of concept art with him on a dirt bike or a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And typically like if someone mentioned, "Oh, Twilight princess almost had a motorcycle. Be like, no, it didn't, that, that that's a stupid idea. But you see this concept art and you're like, <clears throat> okay, I can clearly see like this was just a fun doodle someone had. It wasn't probably meant to be actual concept art, but apparently it was because <laughs> when the DLC came out, it was there. And then there was just a, a bunch of other stuff like that as well to where before we got or knew what all of the DLC was, you could have basically just looked at that book or interviews at what they talked about being taken out of the game or um, wasn't ready for the game yet. And that's essentially what all of the additional new content ended up being. And we see the same thing with Breath of the Wild 2, where they said that Breath of the Wild 2 began as a new pack of DLC for Breath of the Wild, but became so large that it ended up uh, evolving into its own game. So they decided to make it a sequel. But even with that... Uh, the first trailer that we've seen had mm-hmm. the, it looked like Hyrule Castle was starting to rise up out of the ground. Mm-hmm. And we've seen the body, I guess, or like the mummified body of Ganondorf. And mm-hmm. in concept art from before Breath of the Wild released, we have uh, there's concept art of Ganondorf in his human form standing on top of a giant floating island mm, so okay. it seems like even breath of the wild 2 stuff i'm sure it will have a lot of new uh gameplay mechanics that are specifically designed around the switch mm-hmm. that maybe the wii U wouldn't have allowed in the same way that wii U had to have a lot of stuff removed because the switch wouldn't have been able to do it um, but with breath of the wild 2 Hopefully they will be able to implement all of that new stuff. But then at the same time, they've also got all of these old concepts that they will now actually be able to put in. Like how they wanted to do the motorcycle thing, but didn't get around to it or wasn't able to put it in until the DLC. And then we had... uh, There's also concept art for underwater exploration. They said they had the hookshot in the game and had Mm -hmm. puzzles and stuff already designed around it, but they felt the player would feel too much like Spider-Man. So they took it out. And then (laughs) um, that's probably true. (laughs) One of the things that I always think about is the, Oh, you had a comment pop up on the screen. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You can do that with, by clicking the show, you don't have access to it. Will and I do, we can pop any comment we like on the screen. You basically said like, Hey, I'd hate for Nintendo to just dish out fan service or pivot entirely based on our gripes there's data driving decisions and some feedback informant game design. And then he also f- continued that comment with, but my favorite ideas are unexpected by fans. Shout yeah, out to our right advisory board.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that's uh, what Nintendo does already. Um, right. Like I mentioned earlier, I don't think anyone who played Wind Waker HD was like, you know what would really make Wind Waker 2 amazing is if you could turn into a wolf. I don't think anyone had that idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like uh but with uh continuing with breath of the wild 2 they had uh we've seen a bunch of the concept stuff that ended up becoming DLC and then ended up becoming uh what we see in breath of the wild 2 but uh there's also concepts that we haven't seen yet that a lot of people actually wanted in the original breath of the wild like underwater exploration and stuff like mm-hmm. that which was oddly missing from Breath of the Wild like it has more water than almost any Zelda game and more lakes or yep. rivers and everything aside from Wind Waker but for some reason <laughs> man, you can't swim under the water even though like there is this big lake Hylia and Yeah I didn't every even think time about we've that. had yeah like every time we've had Lake Hylia we've had some form of the water temple or whatever. Every time we've had death mountain, there's been some fire temple. And like, so there was no underwater exploration. There was no, uh, themed dungeons. Uh, some of the shrines were themed, um, to where they had like ice puzzles or you had to do certain Mm -hmm. stuff with fire. or Like they had lava all around. So there was kind of themes or fans blowing you like in a wind temple, but they just had the same aesthetic. So it, even though they were technically themed differently, they still felt the same whereas just changing the color would have been enough to satisfy some of the fans that wanted the themed stuff. But uh, one of the other things that goes back to the concepts was beef it was actually the same E3 or not I don't know if it was E3, but it was the same Nintendo Direct where Wind Waker HD was revealed and I think Hyrule Warriors as well, they also revealed um, or first officially confirmed that they had started work on Zelda Wii U, as it was known then. And the two things that they mentioned for it was that they wanted to break the tradition or the traditional formula for the Zelda series, which clearly they did. Mm -hmm. And the other thing was... They didn't want you to think of it as a single-player experience. But then when the game came out, it was completely a single-player experience. (laughs) (laughs) So what I think happened with that was either the Wii U just couldn't handle it, Mm -hmm. um, and then Wolf Link ended up becoming sort of a... um, uh, What's the word I'm trying to think of?
0: An accessory versus a side character?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, um, a lot of people hate the idea of multiplayer in Zelda games because when they've done it, usually it feels really forced and you have to play with other people or you just can't really play it at all.
0: Like Triforce Heroes and uh, mm-hmm.
1: four, uh, swords. four Swords. Yeah. And so that's what Nintendo traditionally does. But with Wolf Link, it seems like the idea they probably had was you have this, like your friend can either pick up a controller beside you or on their Wii U at their house, and they can send a request and load into your game if you accept it or whatever, then they can play alongside you, and you can go on an adventure together, you collect stuff together, fight enemies together, do all that fun stuff which is essentially the exact same thing that Wolf Link does because he is 100% completely optional. There's a lot of people, especially people that are getting into Breath of the Wild now that don't even know you can summon Wolf Link because...
2: Oh, I bought that. I bought the Amiibo specifically for that. Nice. <laughs> yes.
1: And so, yeah, there's, there's just uh, people that... Like, he's so optional
3: mm-hmm.
1: that people don't realize that he's actually part of the game. And <laughs> there would honestly be no difference in whether or not the computer controls will flink or a second player controls will flink. And then whether or not that second player is either beside you or the second player is on their own console. Because it would I think Hyrule Warriors did this on the Wii U to where Actually, there's a lot of games that did it where you could play multiplayer. One person would be playing on the screen and the other person playing on the TV. So like if you were playing as Link, then you could play on the TV and then the person playing as Wolf Link could play on the gamepad or something. Mm -hmm. But even then, maybe it wasn't just Wolf Link. Maybe the champions or just like a generic Hylian soldier or Mm -hmm. someone like that could play. And then there's uh, segments where uh, Sidon is swimming you around as a companion character, or um, Yanobo, the son of the Goron champion, is following you up Death Mountain and helping you out. So maybe at one time when he said he didn't want you to think of it as a single-player experience, maybe those were, at one point, meant to be a form of multiplayer. And And maybe
0: that would be something in Breath of the Wild too.
1: Yes, Um, especially because they also just uh, a few months ago began upgrading their online servers and everything, which is why um, there's like the random update for the Mario Party game that was already out that added online support. And now there's more games coming out that support cloud streaming and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think because of that... uh, will likely end up getting some form of multiplayer, especially with Zelda. And I think, Will, you mentioned Zelda falling down and getting lost or trapped or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that was just a throwaway segment to uh-huh. where, like, <laughs> that'll be in the game. But, mm-hmm. like, I don't think Nintendo would have you, because especially Nintendo doesn't like spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think Nintendo would have you play through this entire game in Breath of the Wild to save Zelda just for what some people think that she's just going to disappear at the very beginning of Breath of the Wild 2. Mm-hmm. And instead of it being a surprise in the game, they're just going to reveal that in like the first and second trailer. like After getting your hopes up in the first trailer that she might be a companion character, mm-hmm. then the second trailer just immediately throwing that out the door. I don't think Nintendo would do that.
2: Yeah, I really hope she's a companion. I think that would be
1: really cool. Yeah. The only other like,
0: time you get Zelda as a playable character is the CBI games.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if it counts, but there's like the spirit or ghost Zelda in Spirit Tracks.
0: Oh, yeah. okay. I don't know if that counts or not. Technically, yeah. But I just um, um, I know we're coming up close to that two hour mark, so I wanted no. to kind yes. of jump in with one more good question here. Um, and before uh, I ask mine, will, will do you have anything specific that you want to ask or bring up before I jump into one more question?
2: No, he was saying like, sorry for the rants, but like a lot of the rants actually answered a lot of the questions for oh, me. Okay. So that was, yeah, good. no, it, it answered a lot of good,
0: a lot of good yeah. stuff that we had, um, without us even having to ask the question. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was just a natural flow. So it's good. Um, my last thing here, and this is more of a fun, creative type thing. Um, We've already got like the Hyrule Warriors, we got Link's Crossbow Training, um, and we've got uh, various other Tingle games throughout the years. What Zelda spin off or idea that hasn't been implemented in Zelda yet would you like to see? Or are you kind of done with spin off Zelda games? I guess, I guess that could be an opposite answer. Like maybe you don't want another spin off Zelda game.
1: So, this isn't something. I've thought of before, but it just came to mind the way that you phrased it, which is something they haven't done before in terms of spinoffs. Because I was first, I was going to say that like the original Hyrule Warriors didn't sell too great, even mm-hmm. if you count the Wii U, 3DS, and then the version that also released on Switch. Mm-hmm. The pre-orders alone for Age of Calamity sold more than the lifetime sales of all three versions of those.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> So I'm not surprised.
1: Yeah. So if the original got uh, a sequel or a version of a sequel, Age of Calamity, based off of the popularity of it, I think it's most likely they're already started on whatever the next Dynasty Warriors Zelda Mm -hmm. spinoff would be, whether it's just a continuation of Age of Calamity or another new idea. But with ideas that haven't been implemented yet, I am... What?
0: You oh, brought no. up the comment from yeah. earlier again. Sorry about that.
1: <laughs> um, the thing that I just thought of and am surprised with is that uh, with Crossbow Training, as you mentioned, there was. Uh, was it that it sold more copies than the actual Wind Waker game did? Did it really? Yeah. Like it, the spinoff that everyone makes fun of actually outsold like the game that came before what the spinoff was based on. And so I always imagined that Nintendo would have, especially after they started really getting into all the motion control stuff, like on the Wii U that they would have some sort of sequel spinoff to crossbow training being made. And the Wii U had, uh, in Nintendo land, it had like a weird Zelda mini game that I thought was Mm -hmm. a clever idea, which was actually how my little brother learned how to play video games because it was so simple. And because he did like Zelda, it was easy for him to learn basic gameplay stuff with, but almost every Zelda game has some form of fishing, at least after Link's Awakening and Ocarina of Time. Um, and again, it was really weird. Breath of the Wild didn't really have fishing. You could still catch fish, but mm. you weren't actually fishing. And then even Twilight Princess starts you off. Like, the, one of the first things you do is learn how to fish. And then uh, Majora's Mask, which didn't have any fishing pond at all, now has two in its remake. So I am very surprised Nintendo just hasn't released a fully-fledged fishing mm-hmm spinoff of uh, a Zelda game.
0: Hyrule rapala Bass Pro.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were like, maybe it would come with uh, variations of all of the different fishing ponds that we've had before, as well as entirely new ones. Do mm-hmm. You
0: yeah, even have a good. story like, Zelda lost her Triforce piece in the fish of a mouth, or mouth, mouth of a fish. No fish. <laughs> fish of a mouth.
1: <laughs> fish of a mouth.
0: <laughs> Yeah, or so something ridiculous. Maybe she lost a necklace or something. Who knows? But yeah.
1: uh, It's honestly you know. believable Nintendo would use that as a story because it's almost <laughs> what they did with Princess Ruto being swallowed.
0: Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about you, Will? You know, I didn't get to ask you this because you weren't on when I was talking to Tony.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What's your like, spinoff? What's your spinoff?
2: <laughs> on, uh, so I immediately thought I would joke when, of course, it just you know filled my head. But you remember the... Uh, Wow, what what are the collection of mini games that came with the Wii U? Uh, Nintendo, Nintendo Land. Nintendo Land. Land. Yeah, he's yeah,
0: just, yeah, he just talking about that.
2: Yeah, so the Nintendo Land spin off with the multiplayer, like just like on rails uh, Zelda game. <laughs> I think that concept was really dumb and stupid, but it made me think that like an actual like maybe maybe on rails is not really what I want, but something that's more linear than a typical Zelda game, co op game would be kind of fun. Uh, I realize that they've had co-op games and it's just like mm, not great. But if you just kind of like slim down the experience where really the co-op is the main selling feature, it's not necessarily, this is not like a mainline game or anything like that. Link's real adventure. That's good. Um, I think that would be kind of a cool con. I think that'd be fun. And I would would enjoy playing it like couch co-op with a buddy or with my wife or something. Yeah, Yeah, even if they just had it as a mini game
0: included with a Breath of the Wild or something like that. Yeah, well, it's
2: like I love I love the mainline games, but like it's very isolating experience. I can't play that with someone. I can't play with my wife.
0: So, like when I'm playing that
2: game, I basically have to like you know put myself in the corner of the room. (laughs) Um, Whereas like it would be cool to have a co op experience that was actually more fun than the typical ones.
0: And I'll I'll just bring up the same concept I had when I talked to Tony. I still think a really cool. Thing would be like a Hyrule sim, where you're like playing different generations of Hyrule. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. And you could, you could, you could even make it like if you wanted to, like civilization in Hyrule, where it's not quite civilization, but you could see as you progress. Like, let's say you started a business, like a farm, in like one part of the Zelda timeline, then you could kind of see where that farm goes in throughout the timeline. Like, if you, there's some kind of end game concept. Damn, I get flooded again. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or it could be as simple as like literally a day in the life of one of these NPCs in Hyrule, and you could play like you could be like the the farm, or you could be like somebody in Kakariko Village, or you could be a Goron, like literally just living the day to day life of one of these side characters mm. in in the series. And you could like have a house, family, and I even said it might be fun to even be the parents of Link in a Hyrule Simulator. And like based on the way you raise Link, you find out whether he's actually the hero <laughs> of time or if he fails. Or
1: <laughs> I think that it was, would be really good.
0: It was just a thought I had. I thought it'd be a really neat kind of not Zelda side quest, side that uh, side story um, uh, spinoff. So I don't know. Even if it was like something similar to um, not tr- is it not Terraria? Um, what's that other one uh, that everybody liked back? 2018 2019 time frame I'm trying to think of what, the, what the game was called. It was like a 2D top down um, like life sim game that had some extra adventure aspects to it. I can't think what the name of this game is called now. Yeah, any more than that. <laughs> I know that Patrick played a lot of it. Um
1: would it be something like Animal Crossing? Uh,
0: yes and no. Uh, it's like a more of um it, it definitely it embraces the pixel art. Style more than that. It's not Terraria though. Terraria's that more like a Minecraft side stroller. Um, I'm thinking of. Um,
1: Should it have farming in it? Yes. Kayla uh, on our podcast plays it a lot. I can't think of the name. I
0: cannot think of the name of it. I'm looking it up. We're going to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like some um, uh, 2D over.
1: I feel so weird. I can't think of that name. I
0: can't. I can't believe I can't think of the name of it either.
1: Because it's honestly one of the games that she mentions the most.
0: I mean, there's Kinseed, but that's not the one I'm thinking of. Kinseed is that one that is being made by the people that made Fable. Yeah, uh, it's like Kinseed though. It's similar to that in lo- the style. What the heck is this game called? It's a really it's a high selling game. It actually released on the Vita and the Switch. That's how. That's how I always remember to find it. My brain is not getting there. Um, Now I'm like having a Mm. brain aneurysm. (laughs) (laughs) So while
1: you're looking that up, uh, if you guys uh, harvest moon, is that it?
0: No, harvest moon is similar though. It's a lot like Mm -hmm. it stardew Valley stardew Valley. Yes. That's the one. Oh my gosh. I can't think of it. Even if it's something like that, but more 3d breath of the wild style for a sim. Zelda. I think that I think that would sell like crazy if somebody said, "Okay, you can have live the life of a character in Hyrule, and you don't have to do any of the stuff that Link does in the main quest." It could be like a side thing that people could play in between Zelda games. Like, okay, I just want to play in Hyrule without having to do any of Link's quests and just do whatever I want. Like, I imagine these people in these games are that are like just standing around doing nothing throughout the game probably have some interesting lives that aren't being developed during the main story of Zelda. Mm-hmm. Like imagine being any of the characters in Skyward Sword that aren't Link. I bet you they do some really interesting stuff.
1: Yeah. The, the ones we do get a small glimpse inside their lives do seem kind of either bizarre and crazy or mm-hmm. just interesting. Like the, uh, Callan, I think is how you pronounce his name, being haunted by the hand in the toilet like that. (laughs) seems like there would be some shenanigans there. And then there's the guy, like the creepy guy in the bazaar that if you visit his house after dark, he basically goes crazy like the happy mask salesman when you don't have the mask or the money. Mm -hmm. And then there's the woman that her house is just completely filled with dust. Or in Breath of the Wild, there's the NPC that his wife left him because she lived Cuckoos, or something like that. I feel exactly <laughs> what it was. Either he loved them and she left him, or she loved them and left some, something weird. And even Ocarina of Time, uh, the farmer that looks like Mario Malin, I think, yeah. Or yeah. no, Talon, Malin's father. Like, apparently, like you just randomly find him as an adult sleeping at a random house in Kakariko Village. And then mm-hmm. as a child, he's just passed out in front of the castle. So you're like, Either this guy is partying a lot or he's mm-hmm. got something going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, I, I think that would be a really great idea to to be able to see. And um, But Majora's Mask and Skyward Sword seem to be the ones that have gone into it the most so far. Oh, there's also the, the crazy flower lady in Breath of the Wild as well that just <laughs> has the ability to... Summon Lionels, I don't know. Or
2: the uh, Bug Lady in Twilight Princess. This has like yeah, a really yeah. weird, oddly sexual fascination with those insects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, those from
0: real life experience studying bugs. No.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I was just like, I don't know. You always run across that one NPC that's like, that's that's
0: sexual. You know what you're doing, Nintendo. <laughs> Although I will say this, I don't. i, I never felt as weird as when that the main bad guy before you find out who the main bad guy is oh, in good. Skyward Sword yeah it's just like oh <laughs> the, the, the tongue animation uh, is what always yeah. gets me in that game I'm like oh yeah. I can feel that I can I can feel that as he's doing that like I'm sitting in my chair and I'm like ooh
1: don't do that <laughs> yeah especially now that it's in glorious full HD in mm-hmm. 60 frames and just a crystal clear version yeah it's it's, it's, it's honestly, just unsettling it is, <laughs> yeah, it's something that I I wouldn't Imagine Nintendo would actually put in to especially a Zelda game, but I think Will mentioned earlier there's a a bunch of not safe for work, is how I would describe them jokes in the game. Yes, like there's one in on Wii U, there's like a really, really adult joke. I don't know how it got past uh, Nintendo's policy or whatever, but it was essentially like a Goomba talking to another Goomba that was, uh, it was like a weird BDSM joke where it was like <laughs> someone was chained up and liked it or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> what in the world? And then Breath of the Wild has, uh, uh, in one of the diaries or journals in Kakariko Village, there's like this woman talking about how she wishes Link would be, uh, not her bow or something like that. Mm-hmm. the way they yeah. phrase it is like it's very, very suggestive. And then they mm-hmm. have the Gerudo that passes out from the heat in the desert but instead of laying on the ground or the shrine, she's like perfectly in a position to where her butt's just sticking out. And it's like <laughs> Nintendo's being a bit odd here. But...
0: <laughs> yeah, Nintendo's definitely had some weird... Leave this in the game, take this out. Situations where it's like, why did you make this choice? You know, I, I yeah. don't understand, but
1: like um, this, this had to be approved by a team of people. <laughs> like, what's <let's... laughs> yeah, exactly
0: so? I just wanted to say, um, do you have anything else that you would like to talk about before we conclude this first of hopefully many Zelda podcasts in the future?
1: Yeah, so earlier when you, you left for a few seconds, Will uh began to ask what. I think what he was going to ask was what the next Zelda game I thought was would be coming out or if it would be coming out before Breath of the Wild 2 and I wanted to know from you guys because we know all these basically every single Zelda game essentially has, is rumored to be coming out um, but which Zelda game do you personally believe not which one you want to come out but which one do you believe will be next and where do you think it falls in line with Breath of the Wild 2? Can you go first,
2: Chris?
0: I think the next one that's coming is going to be, and and I'm only saying this because uh, I think it's kind of a cop-out, but I think what we're going to get is the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance added Mm -hmm. to the... Switches online service, because that $50 mark is going to be hard to convince people for just N64 games. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see Minish Cap make its way over. and That'll probably be the next one.
2: I should have gone first, because that that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we're not going to get an, an actual new or HD release or anything. It's just going to be some kind of port into the online service.
0: And then after that, potentially, we would see Wind Waker. Because I think Wind Waker scales the best to every platform it's ever been ported to, just because it's got that cell mm-hmm. shaded graphic style. Yeah. It's very difficult to screw that one up.
1: Yeah, and the um, I don't know. You got. You, you may already know this, but in so Nvidia partnered with Nintendo to make the Switch, and basically yep. the the CPU, like the insides of the the hardware of the Switch, is essentially what they already had in the Nvidia Shield. Yep. Uh, which I think there's a version that's a tablet and a version that plugs into a TV. And in China, they have official releases for like Super Mario Galaxy and Twilight Princess that are in HD running on those systems. So it's like, I know they're clocked a little bit higher than the Switches, but they're also running at a higher resolution than 1080p. Very,
0: very small, mm-hmm. higher clock resolution. I'm at a higher uh, clock. My yeah. brain's not working. It shut off second. it <laughs> sure that. <laughs> i yeah.
1: sorry. And I think so far, really, the only GameCube game like Twilight Princess that we've gotten on Switch was uh, Super Mario Sunshine, which it even played faster. And I think it ran at, Uh, like full HD and 60 frames or something like that. Mm -hmm. Because just the the movement itself also moved, like the game just ran faster on the Switch. So I think GameCube games and stuff would be interesting to see.
0: Oh, I 100% agree. I, I, I don't think they'll do it only due to the memory size and the Switch having such a small internal storage system. But definitely if they do release the quote unquote digital switch. I just heard rumors about like if they throw a 512 gigabyte internal storage in there. Yeah, that could totally happen. But with only 32 to 60, was it 64 gigs on the OLED? It ain't going to get game. You would be too many, unless you do it on like an all la carte download system where you only download the ones you're playing at that time. It, it wouldn't make sense, in my opinion, unless that's the way you're going to do it. And then you'd have to download each one individually. And Nintendo is all about that convenience factor where everything's already available and downloaded and ready to go, which is why N64 is the next logical step, being that the files are like 75 to 100 megabytes tops mm-hmm. per mm-hmm. game, depending on what enhancements they added. Um, and so the whole service adding N64 is only going to be like a few gigs total.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, with Whenever you mentioned... Um, Thinking Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games coming to Switch to help make that price point feel a little bit better for the people that are paying so much for the extra in sixty-four games. Um, game like I could—that's why I would imagine GameCube game is coming. But even then, I think that they would just be good enough to sell on their own as opposed to yes,
0: putting them yes. up yes, put, put them on so, some carts. Yeah, just yeah. throw like. Like Luigi's Mansion did well, and they remade it on the it was 3DS, and then they did the new mm-hmm. sequel on the Switch. Yeah, I, I think GameCube games would easily sell on the Switch. Just um, mm-hmm. re-release them on carts. They're not going to be able to fit them on the internal storage yeah. a- to make any meaningful impact for online service. So,
1: especially if the multiplayer games were also updated to have online, like the rest, oh, yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. like playing. There we go. Uh, Smash Bros. Melee or Mario Kart Double Dash online. Would be oh, one. Double Dash. Oh,
2: that's made for the Switch. <laughs>
1: and, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess that, that was the only question I, I had for mm-hmm. you guys because I thought it would be interesting because, like with me, I would want uh, Wind Waker HD on Switch, but I believe Ocarina of Time will be the, the next one.
3: Okay.
0: Yeah, so. I, and I, I think it could be either way personally, but Wind Waker is my better, my best bet, just because it would take less work to do it, and so I think they'd probably do both if they're going to do one or the other. I think they'd probably do do Wind Waker and then announce Ocarina of Time at like the end of next year or something.
1: Yeah, it, it does with the popularity of Ocarina of Time. You mentioned it being saved for like a next for a new console. Yeah, I, that does make a lot of sense. So.
0: I do want to mention to anybody that's still watching, and anybody that watches after this podcast is concluded, make sure you guys go over to youtubecom mm-hmm. to Game over Jesse. I'm sure we'll have him on again in the future. Um, definitely subscribe to his podcast. He, he covers Zelda thoroughly, um, su- consistently, and very well with him and his co-hosts, and uh, it, it's really fun to kind of tune in and, and just even if you're not, even if you're working, like it's easy to tune in and listen because it's a, it's a pretty casual and easy to listen to conversation, and they have a lot of the facts that will and i don't have so Hmm. i would recommend you check them out and uh, get updated on the latest zelda facts and information uh, as opposed to um, waiting for us to do our next zelda cast in like probably three months or so (laughs) Mm -hmm. because we do them every we do them infrequently we like zelda we're pretty big fans of zelda in general but um our audience is more focused on like halo and other things like that so for the most part you're gonna find the best Zelda news at Game Over Jesse on his channel, YouTube.com/slash Game Over Jesse. Make sure you guys subscribe and uh, check him out. And Jesse, do you have any final words?
1: Uh, yeah, thank you so much for thinking to have me on, and thank you for all the the kind words about the the channel. And with uh, your Zelda podcast, um, if you want to something a lot of people might think would be hard to do, but it, it's really not. <laughs> but um, if you guys reached out to the voice actors from Breath of the Wild, they're always really friendly and hmm. um, like they get on, maybe not here lately, but usually they, they go on uh, podcasts and stuff frequently. Like uh, Rivoli did uh, as random as it was just like a, smash bros stream with us the sean chiplock the voice actor for Mm Rivali, and he also was apparently a semi-professional smash bros player because oh that's cool we had like two hours of playing against him with dozens of people and not a single person beat him once. (laughs) (laughs) so it was very very embarrassing but it was also (laughs) really fun and they they give a lot of uh Nothing they're not allowed to say, but they give on the stuff they are allowed to say a lot of the the behind-the-scenes stuff that I think would be a fun conversation for you guys to have. But it would also help uh, maybe get specific content that would just not be able to be found in other places. So
0: I appreciate that advice. I'll have to reach out to some of them. And uh, I definitely want, next time uh, we can find a time to do so, I'd like to have you and, and Tony, and maybe some of your co-hosts yeah. too, on at the same mm-hmm. time. I felt
1: bad for not having uh, Tony on. I've seen you guys lately have been doing some videos about Metroid and stuff. Yeah, um, Daniel, my co-host, is probably as big of a fan of Metroid as he is hmm. uh, Zelda. Like I, I think he's actually live-streaming Metroid right now. <laughs> so, if you guys ever wanted to get him on, I'm sure he would love to come on and chat with you guys as well but maybe I, i'll invite I him wanted... on for
0: um, metroid i do metro i'm doing metroid mondays as long as i can anyways um where i every monday i'll be playing through one of the metroid games and right now i'm doing the nes version of metroid that's that was my first one and uh maybe I, i'm trying to have like casual conversation throughout so i might start inviting guests on during the gameplay to talk yeah. with me about metroid as i play so maybe that might be a good segment for him to be on
1: yeah, that's actually really interesting because even for people that just want to tune in for the discussion and aren't necessarily interested in the gameplay, you can do mm-hmm. that and join the discussion to where normally it would just be mm-hmm. someone talking about what they're doing in the game. Mm-hmm. So that's actually a really good idea. I hope it goes well for you. Thank you very much. And uh, I wanted to say that I do feel bad for missing the podcast with Tony last time. Um, Tony is one of the people that I was a fan of before I even started YouTube Mm -hmm. and same, he was very nice and helpful and everything. Whenever I started and asked him to come on and we were talking and everything. So yes, hard for games.
0: Got that bell locked in. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. So, uh, I would definitely love to, uh, to be on an episode with him or just anyone in general. It was, it was a lot of fun uh, talking about. I feel like I go on a bit too long. Like instead of usually instead of just saying something, I'll give some sort of backstory or an interview fact or something to kind of back up what I'm saying. And it, that kind of gets me on tangents and stuff. <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm.
0: I've got some of our uh, previous guests I've been thinking about for our whenever we have you on for the next time, and I'll uh, shoot you some ideas for the next one. So I do want to thank you for coming on and giving yes. us two hours thank of your you. time. It's been yeah. a blast, and I've learned quite a bit throughout this mm-hmm. podcast. So I, I hope that other people have tuned in and even will maybe learned a few things that he. Didn't uh, know I,
2: I learned something new every week. so, <laughs> <laughs> so
0: I do want to say thank you, and uh, uh, we are going to. Had to conclude this, even though I am really enjoying this conversation. So,
1: yeah. Well, again, thank I, you all so much for having me on.
0: Absolutely. And uh, as always, I'm Chris from the Krillcast, and we have had. to uh, stay there. I don't know. I think I screwed this up. As you always, I totally did.
2: There's no, that's not a lean into anything. What yeah, what yeah, am yeah, I to stay there? <laughs> As always, I'm
0: Chris. And I'm Will. And then he would say he's Jesse.
1: Mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. I guess I'm <laughs>
0: And we will see you all on next broadcast, See
3: you guys.